I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. So it's June. The sun is not out in LA. And if you have any friends on the West Coast, then yes, we are complaining about it. I will say that this uh, June gloom is really triggering my quarterly itch to want to get the hell out of this country. I, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's uh, my predisposition to moving my trauma around housing or just, I'd like to think, maybe my curiosity about the world. But I would say once every quarter... I get this deep internal itch desire to get out of this country and live a life somewhere else. Uh, Like world events don't really help. Um, All of the foolishness that happens here doesn't really help. But as of late this quarter, I have had Jamaica on my mind and I have really just been romanticizing the thought of getting away. I'm also self-aware enough to know that part of this is probably some sort of avoidant tendency that I have to want to avoid the monotony, the responsibility of the life that I have created. And I'm sure I can't be the only person that feels like this. Life as of late has really felt like this mm, strange waiting game, perhaps, where it's like a hurry up and go. And I'm waiting for pieces to come together or things to make sense. And I'm also not totally even sure what I'm waiting on. So it's been, I don't know, it's been strange uh, to say the least. I also think part of this, uh, quite honestly, is maybe my reckoning with like, do I have to get a job again? Like, do I have to get a job? Am I disillusioned or maybe too privileged in thinking that my work needs to be my identity? And so again, lots of self-awareness is happening, lots of internal conversations. And now I'm just bringing y'all in. I'm bringing y'all in on how I've been thinking and how I've been feeling as of late. Because, you know, I find myself in this interesting place of being really, again, privileged to build community, to create a platform, not only to share my stories and my experiences within motherhood and how motherhood impacts like every single facet of my life, but also being able to amplify other people's stories. And I think that's so fucking cool and so exciting. And I know that y'all think it's cool because y'all keep listening, which thank you. Um, But also, you know, I think there is like a really tricky balance. And for all of those folks out there listening who create something, who materialize an idea, but then also have to monetize that idea. It's such a, it's such a balance between the, the two. And I have been really uh, working out my business muscle and becoming even more of um, an informed, perhaps even shrewd business person, which I'm like very excited about, but it also makes me really, really 
not like working with people <laughs> ultimately. And it also makes, <clears throat> excuse me, and it also makes, I think, creating things from a place that is really inspired, sometimes difficult when we know we have to monetize it. So I'm excited to kind of explore more of those conversations with people as I'm building out cool moms, creating more platforms to tell stories in an authentic way. I think the podcast is fantastic, but I also understand that not all of us have the luxury, the time to listen to people yip yap for like an hour, you know? So we are coming back with the newsletter, which I'm actually really excited about. If you have been a longtime listener of Cool Moms or a longtime supporter of this platform, then you know we've had a Substack before. We as an I <laughs> have had a Substack before where I was able to highlight more mothers um, who are prioritizing their passions, doing the cool stuff, exploring their creativity and their natural gifts. And so we're going to keep doing that and we're going to do it even more and better and uh, consistently. Yeah, that's the word. Uh, we are going to be doing it more consistently. So please make sure y'all sign up to uh, Cool Moms on Substack. It's linked in IG bio. You can also just search us in Substack. This turned into an ad for Substack, but it's actually not. This is actually me in real time feeling through my thoughts and emotions and just like having a brain dump with you all. So thank you for listening to that. But yes, um, I'm expanding. I'm also trying to have some sense of balance between, again, monetizing my own stuff while also, I don't know, living the lifestyle that I deserve. And perhaps some of that sacrifice comes in going back to a nine to five, which is a very, 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 very scary thing for me. And it is scary because I have yet to really have um, a really fruitful experience in the corporate world. And Listen, again, self-awareness. We are here with that. Is it me? Is it them? Is it both? Is it the system? I'm not totally 100% sure. But what I do know is that I'm very capable. I'm very capable of doing these jobs because I've worked with lots of these people that I realize are not very capable. Or, you know, yeah, I'm capable. I'm capable and I actually like working with people. Um, I have just found that Again, when you have built your own thing, that thing can be really intimidating. And perhaps my light does not fit within the bottle of corporate America. I don't know. So anyways, I won't rant too much further about it, but you know, I needed to get it out. Y'all are my safe space. So we'll see what happens towards the end of this year. Will she live in Jamaica? I don't know. Will she be clocking into a nine to five? Who knows? <laughs> You'll have to t- stay tuned and see what happens. Aside from that, I hope that everyone is taking the time to pour into themselves, to remember that you are enough, that you are doing an amazing job, that even if you aren't doing an amazing job, if you are thinking about how to do a better job, then you are on the right track. 
Find the time to put yourself first. I love you all so much. I'm really, really excited because this next guest really brings beauty into the world for a living. Up next is Ryan Norville. Welcome, Ryan Norville, to Cool Moms. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so excited. This is like my second podcast I've ever been on. So I was listening to your other one. Do that what you will. Okay. I did the Domino podcast. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, this will be same but different. Um, You know, it's a podcast, so we're talking. Um, Yes, so I always start off with a question that is near and dear to me, which is, what is your sign? What does that mean to you? And if you're very kooky, what are your big three? And let's break it down. Okay, Okay. we can do that. Um, (laughs) I am a Pisces and... That I could say a lot about that because I think typically, like stereotypically, it's like, oh, like you must be like this crybaby and blah, 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 blah. And like, I think for me, like I that that sun sign is not really, I don't think the first thing you see about me, my rising's a Leo and then I'm a Scorpio moon. And then like, I resonate so much with the Scorpio side. Ooh, child. <laughs> I know it's a... <laughs> there's a lot of crazy. <laughs> You'll see my life. I just, yeah, it's a lot. It's intense. Like I'm a very intense person. And I think when I just tell people that big three, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Pisces, Scorpio, Leo. Like what the heck? <laughs> yeah, that's not, so, yeah, I it's resonate not for the very, faint of like, heart. Deeply, like when I'm alone, like with the Scorpio side, I think obviously, especially doing like social media, blah, blah. Like people definitely see like, this Leo side. I'm always like socializing, blah, blah. I'm from Harlem. And so it's like, we know how to talk to people, you know, but so I see very much that side but I think the Pisces side I see is like as like my everyday creativity how I get to know myself and and really just like when I feel things especially having those both those waters I'm like it's very deep emotional things but it's like when you're with me you're with me like that's it like unless you cross me and then the Scorpio comes out like we can never be like anything ever again so it's like I'm big on loyalty but I feel everything so deeply and it's so (laughs) annoying sometimes um so that's what my my signs mean to me thank you for going thank you for going deep um as a as a Scorpio son I appreciate I empathize and I resonate Thank you. You know, that's not always the response. <laughs> but Everyone like, you know, in my life, yes, has a Scorpio placement either in sun rising or moon. Like every, yeah. my best friend Scorpio rising, my husband's Scorpio rising. So my closest like female friends are Scorpio. So I love Scorpio women. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you know what? I love I love Scorpio women as well. Um, emphasis on <laughs> emphasis women. Emphasis on women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we'll just leave that there. Yes. Um, exactly. But, you know, I find that, you know, not everyone has that response to being a Scorpio or having like a prominent Scorpio placement. I also feel like Scorpio moon is such a a gift. It is a gift, but it's also a very challenging placement because Scorpio is already such a deep feeling intense passionate sign and so for that to be how you emotionally process you're right it's like all or nothing you're with me or you're against me and that's it (laughs) a fantastic friend a formidable enemy do not put us on that side it's like with paranoia i'm like are you crossing me are you not loyal like a like i get like so paranoid like all oh my god i don't (laughs) even want to say what i was doing 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say it for the sake of transparency. But speaking of paranoid, what I was doing right before we hopped on, I've been having all of these like like Finsta accounts, like new ones popping up that are consistently watching my stories. I'm just like, who are these people? So I was looking up an app to download to figure out who it is. <laughs> like a quintessential <laughs> Scorpio thing. Um, and I'm glad that I realized what time it was. And I was like, ah, relax, get off of it. Also, who cares? Go do your business. We'll continue we'll this after. <laughs> right, record, cool moms. It's fine. Um, so... Whatever. Um, I've said enough. So yes, you are a New Yorker, a Harlemite. Yes. Is that what people say? A Harlemite? Is that a... Did I make it I up? Co- we don't... Co- I think Nobody so. Says I think I've heard that about the Bronx, not about Harlem, but okay. maybe I'm okay. making it up. I don't know. <laughs> sure. We're from uptown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the point being. <laughs> and so I would, I would love to know... Um, what is your experience like growing up? Because when I think of someone who is a floral designer, who works in aesthetics and beauty in this way, especially beauty that as it relates to nature, New York yeah. and nature aren't necessarily synonymous. So what was your experience like growing up in New York? And then how did you find your way to nature? Girl, how much time do you have? <laughs> all the time. I got it all for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you said, it was we. I didn't have any access to nature. I grew up across the street from this very famous park called the, at least famous culturally called the Battlegrounds, and it's just where everything happened. Where besides the Rucker, like where so many, where all the basketball tournaments happen, where they have like the old timers, like Harlem reunion for everyone who like grew up around there. Like it's a, such like a cultural hub for the neighborhood, and so. But besides that. You know, we have maybe have Riverbank, right? Okay. <laughs> but there was no nature. Like I grew up in a very tough time. I mean, obviously, the you know, further you get back, like you know, neighborhoods get you know more tougher. But it was a time where you know my brother was kind of in. I can't say too much, but he was involved in a lot of the Harlem stuff happening. I'll just say that, and it okay. didn't feel very safe at that time. And so it was a very much like go to school, get yourself in the house. Like, like that was my childhood. And I think in some ways, obviously it felt very like suppressed, especially like in black and Latino households. It's like very much sometimes gendered in terms of your experience. Like sometimes my brothers got a lot of different freedoms that me as Mm. a young girl, I didn't get. And so right. things I saw my oldest brothers, my older brothers doing, it was like, oh no, not you though. So I was very much like, you stay in the house, like that skirt's too short, like very, like everything I did was very sheltered, controlled. And I think from that, um, I love my family, but I think feeling that suppression, I definitely had this like rebellious side of like, wait till I get older, blah, 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 blah. And so right. from even like cut, like our family, genetically all of us have like very long hair like I cut my hair all of it off as soon as I got to college I started getting tattoos I was like you can't control me like and so (laughs) I think a lot of that (laughs) but in college you know the the nature stuff didn't come immediately I think you know I started traveling as soon as I like got on my own I said I want to see the world like everything I, I kind of was trying to get away from everything that was indoctrinated in me from such a young age, being scared of the world, being scared of new neighborhoods and these codes you learn being from Harlem about like, oh, look, if you go into a new neighborhood and blah, 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 blah. Like, I was definitely trying to like break almost everything I grew up with. And so I started 
cutting my hair and traveling, getting tattoos. And I think in that being so exposed to new experiences and I started to just have a new mindset and what I wanted to design my life to look like. Um, I had went to art school, so I stayed in New York for college too. I went to FIT. Um, and then I switched my major a few times. So I wasn't on track to graduate on time, but around, I was my fifth year of college, but you know, my family, we grew up really poor and there was a big emphasis on me supporting my family financially that I wasn't able to do while I was in college. So I had to drop out of college to continue to support my family at home. And once I did that, you know, I think that's when my eyes started to really open to what I wanted to do with my career, my future. And um, I think I started working in web design because I just was so concerned with my financial security, just seeing we, my family would come from not just the poverty, but the generations of it. And right. I was like, Abs- I, I can't, no, I can't just do this anymore and just be that like, you know, so trying to like break that generationally, I just went straight into web design coming out of college. Um, even though the whole time I was in college, I was interning in fashion because I was like, oh, I want to be a magazine editor. But in terms of financial security, I came out and started working, you know, I was working for fashion and beauty companies, but in the, you know, design, graphic design side, mm-hmm. so I could pay my bills. Totally. Um, totally. Exactly. So after doing that a few years, you know, my husband, we fast track, I'm married at this time. We, well, once Wait, we got you were, a little bit. You, you were married like early 20s. I got married at 24. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll circle back on that. <laughs> and that was also very much part of that, like it, starting, there was a lot of things came to head in my family and my husband, he was going through a lot with his family too. He's from Brooklyn. And so he grew up in Brooklyn, fat, Flatbush, very Caribbean upbringing. So I think it was very much like a, we need to like get out of our families and start making our own thing. And so I right. think that's, you know, where we we got married really young. We also met really young. I, I met my husband when I was 16. So by the oh, time wow. we got married, we had been together, you know, for a really long time. So it, it, it was more, it, it made sense. But yeah, so once we got on our own and, you know, once we found our footing a little bit financially, we never, you know, he grew up, he, he was first generation American. So he didn't need a lot either. We were like, if we eat cereal every night, whatever, let's just do what we want. Yeah. And we would travel and blah, blah. But once we got a little bit of footing from my career, you know, um, he finally got some footing in his career too as a teacher. Um, and I left my last job because I was so unhappy at a desk and it just, it wasn't working out for me. Like, and Mm -hmm. I was a freelancer. So I was getting experiences at multiple, you know, these luxury, you know, establishments. I was working at like Ralph Lauren and Alistair Wang and Estee Lauder and blah, blah, blah. Like all these places that everyone from the outside, everyone's like, wow, you're just really like, blah, blah, blah. You are living the life. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, why am I so unhappy? Like, (laughs) like, why do I have everything? You know, I'm at 23, 24 working in these places, you, you know, for your family who comes from food stamps, you're, you are, you're doing it. And so it's also a generation where, you stay at one job for 60 plus years and then you, you retire. Yeah. So I'm I'm now faced with that, like, you know, conflict of like, I'm finally in this place that m- my family couldn't even dream of. And I'm so unhappy. 
And so I ended up actually getting fired from my last job um, because they had an issue with, you know, things that were happening with me growing on social media and other brands taking notice. The the same old story. Good God. (laughs) Don't don't you dare have ambition. Yeah. They were really happy when I was getting profiled as one of their employees. Right. But when I was getting approached by other brands, they didn't like it. So Mm -hmm. that was interesting. So once I got fired, I just told my husband, I was like, you know, and it was web design at the time in the early, you know, 2010s. It was very easy for me to get another job. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I just, I can't. And bless his heart, he's so supportive because I was very supportive while he was, you know, going to college to be a teacher. And at that time, we were just living off my income. And so, you know, he was like, you know what? I'm here now. Like, obviously, I make a lot less money as a teacher, but if we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. And so, I was like, but I have no other skill set. And that's <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So he just let me rock for a minute. And then like a couple weeks in, he's like, all right, we don't got to like that. Like you got to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> this was cute. And, and I love you. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> you got to get out there. Like, <laughs> so I was like, all right, all right. But I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, And he's like, well, don't you like, like, plants and flowers and blah blah because at the time we oh, had wow. like a bunch of plants in the house and I was like yeah but I can't make that a job because this is pre you know monetizing all your hobbies and- totally <laughs> totally <laughs> and so I just had you know this like you know a mental block of myself so he took it upon himself he went to one of our friends that had a flower shop and he just they were the owners were a couple so he went to the husband and he was like hey you gotta like you really need my wife in your shop. She's so good and blah, blah. Like she makes these blah, wow. blah. And he literally, he hired me off of that. And so what a, right. It was, it was insane. Oh my, so, my mouth, my mouth drops. Like kudos. <laughs> what a supportive partner. What yes. a supportive partner, but also like, and this comes up so much in, when I'm having these conversations, whether it's on cool moms or just in life, but the importance and the value in surrounding yourself with people that can see you even when you can't see yourself at a time. Absolutely. And so like, you know how powerful he was like, let me tell you what y'all need. Y'all need just my wife. Crazy. Right. right? And they right. were like, That's what okay. Did. That's how I got the job. If it wasn't, yeah. if he didn't make that, you know, conversation, like I would have never even thought I had the the you know ability to switch careers, and right. so probably without him, there wouldn't be an Oat Cinnamon, or, which is my my company. But yeah, so um, that's really and it was like no looking back from there. Once I got in that space, like you know, their their design aesthetic and everything. I came from art school, so I knew a lot about my design preferences and you know how I saw the world, and so I knew I wasn't in the right place exactly but i knew i was gonna really on the right (laughs) track yeah and so from there i i had a favorite florist and i stalked them and i went to they made a they had published a book i like pulled up to one of their book signings they had in the uh bronx botanical garden and i was like yo like can i can i be an intern or blah blah um and they they were like okay so they let me intern with them for a few months and i made my company shortly after that. I, I'm, I'm like loving this story. So much of your story resonates with me just from 
not being happy in a nine to five, going to design school, which I also did, trying to figure out, like, I also studied graphic design. I was like, damn, I hate this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm also not a good designer for hire. Like, I don't want to make your your vision come to fruition. It, like, we're not going to align more than like, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, I didn't know that. Yes, that was a, a long, twisty, windy story of my trajectory. But um, so much of your story resonates. And I I want to kind of back up a little bit to your husband knew that you loved flowers. But like what, what was kind of going on in your life? Were you just like the plant lady? Did you always have a lot of plants? Were you, you know, making arrangements for friends and family? Did you have any hands-on experience at that point? No, I watered the plants in our house and he just knew <laughs> I was specific about them. That I loved getting a new plant. At that point, my, my skill set didn't even go into flowers yet. At that mm. point, when he was talking me up, I had never made a flower arrangement ever. I love them, but him saying that didn't resonate with me either because I was like, everybody loves flowers. Like, what do you mean? Right. Like, <laughs> right. so what makes me so special? So that's why, you know, him saying that, I was like, okay, like, I love eating too. So what what now? Like, (laughs) I just felt like it was like anything else. Like, what do you, like, that doesn't equate to a career. But yeah, at that point, very, he just really, and he wasn't like trying to stretch the truth. Like he, in his eyes, that's how he saw me. He's like, you're really good at that. And that's what, he saw something in me that I definitely didn't see. Um Cause yeah, I was just he, for him. He was like, no, like he really believed that man needed me in his shop. Like, <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. Can you, can you? Do you remember rather the first floral arrangement that you made, and what that experience yes. is like, and what what did it look like, and were you happy with it? Like, talk me through it. So the first flower shop I worked in, they're very traditional. And they're all their designers are Japanese. So that comes with this very like technical, like, you know, approach. And therefore I was not allowed to even like touch the flowers when I got there. It was very okay. much like I was helping like with their Instagram, like wrap arrangements up, blah, blah. So like, they let me in the shop, but I wasn't touching the flowers until, and they're, they're kind of like Tribeca Soho. So their clientele is very like, you know, like very, uh, very demanding. <laughs> yes, very that. <laughs> uh-huh. And exactly. So because of that, I wasn't even touching the flowers, but they were having a um, a workshop in store and they didn't sell their tickets. So one of the um, agreements I had with the shop is part of my pay was um, through like uh, credit. So she was like, oh, like, would you want to sit in and do the workshop? And like, kind of that was one of the perks, like just sit in and you get to like be part of the workshop. And so I was like, yeah, for sure. So that was really the first one I made. And it was based off of the the lead designer there, like teaching the guests, like how she creates them. And she's, they're very big on spiraling. And so you have the, when you look in the vase, it's a perfect spiral. And that's a kind of a technique that's, really traditional and very difficult. So yeah, I was really proud of my arrangement. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, like, okay. like, <laughs> Okay, maybe this is a thing. Maybe I got something here. Yes, exactly. That was the only, and that was when I was already in. I was maybe mm. considering that I was like good enough to do it. So right. let alone like my husband even trying to convince me that like I could do it. It was out the door. 
that is so not to be all Oprah, but like that is so powerful. But that is so powerful because <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I think so many times um, I know for at least for myself, other people that I surround myself with creative people, we feel like we hold ourselves to this standard of perfection over progress and that we must be fully ready to do something in order to step into it. And you were there. And like that speaks to just like get me in the door, right? Get mm-hmm. me in the door and I can probably do it. I have now adopted that philosophy. I have this wonderful, fantastical delusion that I really believe I'm probably good at nine out of 10 things. I could have never picked it up before, but like, if you just give me the tools and I watch it one time, I got you. I'm going to be pretty decent, probably better than most people at it on my first That's go around. That's good. That's good to know. Yes. I mean, it's, it's like a really good skill to have, but I think also part of what fuels that is my ability to dream and fantasize and daydream, right? And to be able to like create uh, a world within my head where everything that I desire, everything that I love, everything that I can imagine like comes to fruition. Do you daydream often? All the time. And that's my, my philosophy is a little off from yours, but mine is like, if I could daydream it, I could make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like if I could visualize it, then yes. When I have such a, that's where I block myself is like, if I can't even see myself there, then I just talk myself out of it. But if I like, I have vivid both daydreams and dreams. Like I live a second life and like at night when I go to sleep, like my dreams are so vivid. Like, yes. Yes. Same. (laughs) They wake me up. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely crazy. I I love that. I love that so much. I can remember dreams when I, when I was like seven years old yep. and waking up and being sad that the dream was over and making myself go back to sleep so that I could continue the dream because I, I wanted to. Now. Yes. Like, I still do that to this day. <laughs> like oh, My man. husband like shakes me. That's why he, there's a rule. I'm like, unless someone's dying, do not wake me up. Because you okay. could be waking me up from a really good dream. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or just like a message that I need to receive that my subconscious is like. I believe in that in. so much. When I have a big Absolutely. project coming up, like the, someone asked me too, like, what's your process? I'm like, I need to go go to sleep. Like I need to go mm. like, that's where all my good ideas come from. Because I'm always like, something's trying to speak to me. Like something's trying to break through or like. When I get insomnia, that's when all my good ideas, like, that is like one of my real creative processes, like to like, all right, when I go to sleep tonight, like that's when like, it's really like going to go down. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like I, all that other stuff, like Pinterest and blah, 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 like it's cool. But like, that's not really where that's not really the, the at least the forefront of the process. I love that. When is the last time that you remember, um, implementing something from a dream into a project. And what was that project? Ooh, I haven't gotten any fun ones recently. Is that so <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh, there's, especially being a creative, there's still those projects where you're like, all right, I guess I'll do it. Like, and pay yes. my rent. Like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I think hello. the last one was actually last year. Um, I was, got to do this dream project with Instagram and 
they let me design four installations for a party they were having adjacent to the Met Gala. So it was a Met Gala mm. watch party for some like top creators. And they rented out the penthouse of the mark. And I just got to like do installs like all throughout the, the space. And at that time, I was barely, and they don't know this, but I was barely <laughs> affording my studio space. And so because of Let's that, Let's talk I, about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I packed up because things had got slow with Oat Cinnamon, my job. And so I was like, okay, like I had a pretty big, I think, closet at the time. So I was working between the closet and the kitchen space that's to my left here. And I was like, oh, so that's a tax write off. So now I'm able to like write off a little bit of my like rent and blah, blah. That's right. So I put all my like big supplies and storage and I was just working out my apartment when I got approached by Instagram to do that job. And at that point, I'm the only full-time person and I'm doing relatively small jobs, maybe PR mailers, but I can still do those from home. And yeah. that was when I was really like, oh my God, I have to get a studio like now, like when they they booked me. And they were even like, oh, like judging from your Instagram, we haven't really seen anything on this scale. Like, do you do this? And and my head was like, no, I don't do this. But I was like, to them, I was like, oh yeah, 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 we'll figure it Absolutely. out. Like, you know? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and so, but to even have that, because they were on a scale, especially I find with tech, they don't micromanage you creatively mm-hmm. a lot and, and a lot of times. And so they were just like, you know, they didn't have any big, you know, parameters creatively. They're like, here's the budget. And they're like, other than that, right. like, impress us. And that like to have that rain for a job that scared me that much, like it was such a good feeling. Um, and that's where I was like, just going crazy creatively. I was like, oh, like, and so that's when I was just like, let me just like go to sleep and start dreaming and blah, blah. And like a lot of things like came to me like that. Mm, so you, there's like so many things to extract there. You started Oak yeah. Cinnamon in 2019, right? I think if that's when we got the license okay. to operate legally. <laughs> yes. Got it. That we became official with Oat Cinnamon yes. in 2019. <laughs> got it. At what point did Instagram come along? Because I'm curious about that time that exists in between. That was last year. So um 2022. 2022. Okay. I think I think timelines are important because um we do live in this world of fantasy, which is social media. And we have, I think so many people who are listening, who are peers, um, we can get really hard on ourselves about like personal and professional trajectory. You know, where, what, where does it look like I'm at versus where I'm actually at? And how do I close the gap between those two places? I would say that's not even a realistic timeline. I think generally even Mm. 2019 to 2022 doing a job of that scale, so yeah, whoever that is, I would even say that was like, I, I felt like guilt because of that. I was like, man, like, cause at that point I had been working for some pretty big companies. Um, but like I said, I had pre, so I had previously had a studio, the rent was getting a little too much. So I moved back. Like I, I put that stuff in storage and blah, blah, blah. But like I had been doing some large scale installation work. And then just trying to figure out, like, did, you know, in between that, did I still need a studio? So I was pretty much telling myself, you know, if an opportunity such as that came along, I'd open up another lease. Like, you know, how New York is revolving yeah. door with, you know, totally. real estate. 
So I was like, if it if it is necessary, I'll get another one. But I would still say there was so much more context into even getting that specific job. One, I had a lot of privilege career-wise. One, even just going to school in New York, I went to, you know, I did study graphic design, but I was at a a big fashion school being at FIT. Right. It's one of the biggest fashion schools here. Because of that, I had a lot of resources with the internships I did. One of those internships mm-hmm. being Teen Vogue. And that's where there was editors such as Eva Chen, Shiona, like Amy Astley was editor-in-chief at the time. Like I had proximity to all those people. And so that's going back to even, you know, like 2013. So I'd say that kind of jobs and blah, blah, blah. I'd say it started even closer to then and the proximity to those people that I had, like I was able to do, get my foot into places that, you know, otherwise I wouldn't just being in New York and being, you know, at such a prestigious like fashion school and taking advantage of the resources that I had at the time. But I was interning and going to school and working at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, there was not a time I was in the house. (laughs) So I was like, make all that work. Um, From there, I had other accesses and, and from my personal social media growing, I had access to different brands and different executives and things like that. I think once I built out Oat Cinnamon, all of that was already there. But Mm -hmm. I'd say someone who maybe it might not have, you know, that same, you know, setup that I did, it would be extremely difficult. So at this point, when Instagram reached out to me, the um, head of partnerships of fashion is Eva Chen. And at this point, she doesn't, I mean, of course, she doesn't even remember that I was an intern at Teen Vogue. But I saw her again at a social party and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I'm talking to her. Like, and so I went straight up to her while she's trying to get out the door. And obviously every girl is trying to talk to her and like just saying like, I do this, blah, 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 I do this, blah, blah, blah. So I I go up to her, I have a business card and I just say, and so by the time she even gets to me, she's kind of looking at me like, all right, girl, like what? What is it? Yeah. She's like, lay it on me. Like, what do you want? And I was just like, hey, I have a flower shop. I have a flower studio. I'd love to send you flowers. Hand her the card. And she's like, amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I have something to do for you. I have something to give you. Yes, exactly. I was like, let me offer you something. Because everyone loves flowers. And like, simple, short. And she was like, absolutely. She looked at me. She's like, her assistant was next to her. She was like, we're going to support you. And that is what she did up until that moment. And so when Instagram reached out to me, it was definitely, they were like, Eva Chen has personally asked for you to be the florist. So like I said, definitely going back to what you're saying about expectations, blah, blah, blah. Like I came from a very specific scenario that allowed me to be in that space that would be very difficult otherwise for someone who had opened a self-funded business three years prior. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. I think that is like such a good note to take is <clears throat> so when I was getting prepared for this interview um, and I, I like to think a lot about like what's a co- obviously outside of motherhood, what's a common through line between the women that I have these conversations with, because not only are they important to share, but they're important to me. Like I glean so much from talking to people that I really admire 
Um, but I was thinking a lot about having, what do you have to offer the world, right? What is your, you know, from a business perspective, what is the product that you're selling? But like, what is the gift that you have to give? And how do you then monetize that to actually turn that into a business and make it valuable to people? And like flowers is such... It's such a good one. I honestly, yeah. Ryan, getting I was like, why the f- didn't I think about flowers? Damn, <laughs> yeah. that's good. That is that once is re- it started falling <laughs> into place. Like the more my wheels was like, oh wait, this is. It was a very low saturation point at that point. Very right. little competition in the specific niche of fashion and beauty. Yeah, where my history already was in. I was like. Every event I went to, there'd be beautiful floral arrangements. Flowers. Beautiful. I was like, and so when it hit, I was like, this is this is a genius idea. And so the fact that I was coming to, you know, this executive, I didn't want an internship. I didn't want her to check out my fashion line. Yeah. Like flowers. And she was like, wait, we send flower arrangements every single week. And I was All like, the time. Genius. Yeah. So genius. Um, so obviously, you know, when she said that, I was just thinking like, oh, okay, we'll see. But at the time I handed her my card, she t- took a like stern look at it and she noticed that Oat Cinnamon had an underscore at the end of the handle. Mm-hmm. And I was, she was like, oh, you have an underscore here. And I was like, yeah, like for some reason, Instagram won't give me the plain handle. And she's like, oh, okay. And like, I remember one time my handle didn't work and that's, and then when I checked like my actual page, like the, the underscore was gone. And I was like, oh, she's serious. Like Ryan. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's she's not playing around. Like <laughs> that is major. Yeah, I was like, oh, she this is like, my, like sprinkled the Instagram like, power. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Okay. I, I really love this. I really love this story of you and oat cinnamon and and you know what a story of like people seeing you when you don't see yourself, people seeing you when you show up as yourself and saying, oh, you're serious. And like, it was as Mm -hmm. simple as that. She was like, oh, you have something to offer. You're serious. You handed me your business card. You were ready. You took advantage of an opportunity or even created an opportunity for yourself when other people may not have seen one. Because to approach someone, anyone, but especially someone like Eva Chen on her way out the door, all of that (laughs) self-doubt is like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I can't do this. I need to leave her alone. You're like, no, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. This is so special. I was ready to bring up Teen Vogue if I had to. I was like, wait, you got all the cards in my backpack. As Denzel said, I'm leaving here with something. (laughs) Okay. With something. Ooh, that's a philosophy I'll be taking on. Um, So you, yes, you've partnered with all of these big names. I think it's also such an important note to make, and I would love your perspective on partnership. And especially when growing a business, scaling a business, how do you go about being discerning in your partnerships? Um, Have you gotten to the point that you say no? And what does that process look like? Yeah, that's a super great question. Um, I think the fact that I was able and had that immense privilege to work in those spaces that I did at such a young age and gain that, you know, experience. Like, I think my second internship, I was working for the editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar. Like, the level of exposure I was getting at the age I was, like, I was seeing every name, every celebrity, blah, blah, blah. So like that, at least that like novelty of it all, like kind of just wore off. And like I said, the fact that like how I grew up, I grew up extremely humble. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, 
I didn't keep that value of like, I could lose it all. I could blah, blah, blah. Like that was very much ingrained in me, but I had to work every single second of, like I said, I was supporting my family financially and myself and like putting myself through school for whatever, like my financial aid didn't pay. And so what, what I would say from that to, to bring that full circle is me working in complete service industries, retail, like I knew what I wanted for myself in the future. Like I had been mistreated by people. Like I had been spoken to very poorly. I had experienced every type of microaggression. Like, and in obviously from the fashion industry, I had experienced some traumatizing things. Yes. So I told myself, if I'm ever in the place of power, none of this. <laughs> like it's not happening. And so that's how I built that with cinnamon. And I was, like I said, fortunate enough to have those dual incomes of me doing my personal, monetizing my personal Instagram and also directly using that to fund Oat Cinnamon itself. So straight off the jump, I was able to kind of say, what are, what are we and what are we not? Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, you know, obviously I took very big partnerships at first. Um, but to me, what was most important wasn't just growing Oat Cinnamon and, or, growth as I think it's typically seen. I think how people see growth, especially in the Instagram age is, oh, how many clients do you have? How much revenue do you have? Like how big is your studio? That was not growth to me. It was, I have been, I've struggled, like I've struggled with depression for years. I've been extremely unhappy at the height of my career working for these people who should have made me extremely happy. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. And so it wasn't about just making as much money as possible by however you could. It was, how does this, you know, while I'm the only employee, how does this company serve me and the lifestyle I want to live? And if that's not what's happening with a client, with a location, with that, whatever, we're not doing it. (laughs) um, And so I had that second resource to say, no, no, no. Like we've definitely had clients try to run us over and blah, 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 try to like pay ribble. We, we don't do that. So really that was where I, when it comes to money, I definitely am an advocate for myself. I'm from Harlem. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you don't mess with my money, bro. Like that's what I'm going to say. So I did, I was able to do it in a very professional manner, but right. I advocate for myself. I advocate for whoever's working with me. Like we don't play around with that. But I would say because of that, I took a very slow growth, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you might see these big names, but I, I bootstrap a business. Like that doesn't equal like, oh, now we're like, franchising like starbucks like it's still like okay that was a cute job but like we still like we got things to pay for and blah blah blah. we got taxes we got blah blah blah. all this stuff that needs to happen and so that doesn't mean we're rich like but we grow really slow in a way that's really intentional in a way that benefits us and if that means you know we don't take a job from a client that just thinks they can walk all over us yeah we might make less less money all right yeah i might live a different way than i could have okay but i'm happy but I can spend some time with my kids, but I can, that's what I truly value at my core. Like, okay. Like, you know, I I do whatever it takes to, to really cultivate the environment of the lifestyle I want to live because life, you know, it's really going to be as long and short as you make it. And while with the time I have, I was like, and I remember even my husband telling me one time to take this job that I really didn't want to. He's like, but financially, like blah, blah, that I was like, We've all, and, and it was just like a niche of floristry I wasn't particularly passionate about. 
Mm. And I just explained it to him and I was like, yeah, we could, but then it's going to be just the next job I don't want to do. And the next, I was like, we've lived like that already. I was like, I've been down that path. Working for other people. Yes. Yes. I was like, I didn't make this company to take on a bunch of stuff that would make me miserable. Yeah. Every now and then I have to take on maybe a smaller job or this, this and that, but at my core, like, absolutely not. I was like, we've been on that path. And I was like, I just need you to trust me. Like I'll pay my half of the rent. Like I'll do what I got to do. Yes. But I was like, but it's gotta be in this particular way or else that it, once you start making exceptions, you just lose like what, what your company even is. And I was like, absolutely not. And could we even be better financially? Could we be, you know, having retail locations and both? Yeah, probably if, you know, I did those things, but I was like, no, I want to build a life where I see my, my daughter's right next to me right now, you know, and yeah. my son, I, I had to put him in daycare because he's crazy. But like, <laughs> I chose that, you know, what? but yeah. his daycare has yoga. It has blah, yes. blah, like, He's set up in a way that I'm like, man, I would have loved to be like that one. That's that's what's important to me. And so, yeah, uh, that that's what I would say. So we choose partnerships based off that when there's a mutual respect there, when there's a respect for our artistry. When we see we're not being micromanaged, when we see, mm-hmm. you know, that they like that their brand also has ethos and ethics and things like that. Like, that's what we care yes. about. And so, yeah. I love that. That makes I it's, you know, to take the path of integrity is to not always take the path of ease. Um, but yeah, absolutely. In the long run for those people with entrepreneurial spirits, you're absolutely right. Why did I build this house if I don't build it in the reflection of what I desire? You know, right, why am I so calling it? Like, <laughs> uh-uh. absolutely not. You also touched on um, mental health, which always makes me think about spiritual practice. And f- for whatever reason, I feel like flowers, nature, obviously inherently embodies spirituality. You know, what what is the importance of spiritual practice and what does your spiritual practice look like? Oh, absolutely. So uh, I will definitely preface this. So Kyle and I grew up in a church setting. So um, so my family is very like traditional Southern Christian, that sense. So I obviously grew up with all the, like, God don't like ugly, you know, blah, blah, blah. So all those isms. Yes. Yes. But in a- we need those if- isms. <laughs> How they come back to haunt us when we become mothers and you realize yeah. their value. <laughs> Uh, independently where we met we met at uh like a church camp and so we oh y'all were bad (laughs) Kyle didn't have a choice it's the church that his mom like his he grew up in as like he was born into it pretty much um and non-denominational so that was kind of like our foundation already and kind of I think really you know what we built like our marriage and our relationship on so i think that's really important for us so we're big on prayer we're really big on censoring ourselves we're really big on alignment with what we feel like our creator has for us and so um really big on our lives not just benefiting ourselves but community around us and so yeah i think i just got into meditation but yeah so we're really big on not letting the world shape you but you shaping the world in that sense and and it can be really difficult um but i think i also take all those things i learned from flowers and seeing how you know you have to water a flower for it to grow and, and all those analogies i see for 
personal life, like you have to cut certain parts of a flower off so that it doesn't impede its growth. Like it's all, it's all okay. <laughs> so many. <laughs> I do a lot of ceramic work too. I don't post about mm. it so much, but ceramics teach you so much about how you can't, you can't mold clay until it's centered and blah, blah. And like how I take that into my, Oh my God, it's, it's, I need it so much because I think without that, what I saw myself in the corporate world, like it was just, I'm not one. I couldn't do it. I couldn't balance both corporate life and my personal spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, yeah, I think that for us, it looks like it really does look like work doesn't come first. <laughs> like, you know, and that's just what it is. And sometimes that is difficult when I like shopping. I like nice things. Like, I'll right. like, <laughs> <laughs> but to really like to tell yourself, like, no, that's not you know, what we're going to do first. Like, obviously, like, we can make those things happen, but there's always that balance of really remembering, like, what you want that foundation of your life to be. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, I... (laughs) I'm just thinking about... I literally, last night, um, I have a couple plants in the house, Um, specifically Roberta Flack, who I love... I'm the, I don't know really all the plants that I have. I don't know what kind of plants they are. This is like a vine plant. It's like one of those that you cannot kill it. She is flourishing, just flourishing. But I was thinking about how, um, how therapeutic it is to go through, pick out the brown leaves. I'm like, okay, let's move this out the way. Let me readjust her. And just like, you know, speaking life. And so it's one of those things that now I do and I bond with my son, Sergeant, is he loves to pick out the dead leaves. That's like his job. You know, he loves to water the plant. I have a monstera that is struggling, but I'm like, I'm locking in with you. We are going to work through this. Because <laughs> I'm struggling too. So we are going to figure this out and I'm going to nurse you back to hell. So yes, I do feel like plants intr- intrinsically are very spiritual and really like they're grounding. You got to get your hands mm-hmm. in the soil, um, literally and figuratively. Um, just a few more, but I would love to know, you know, moving in integrity and knowing that you could be in a different place if you said yes to things that maybe weren't in alignment with your purpose. Where do you see oat cinnamon growing in the future? What are your goals and hopes and dreams for oat cinnamon? Great question. Um, I would really like to do what I would call intentional scaling. (laughs) So I would really like to not be the only full-time person here. Um, I have a beautiful freelance network of really talented designers but, you know, in order to advance this company, like there has to be other people who are just on board with the mission and just here on a consistent basis. And so I'd love to, what was in, I don't believe in goals, but my intentions lists for the year. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Um, adding on at least two like consistent team members, whether that's part-time or full-time. I'd love to have a full-time admin and a full-time design assistant that are just really... I can give them autonomy as well. And it does scare me a lot being such a controlling creative. But I, from what I've learned for other people building their businesses and listening to a lot of podcasts like this one is once you add people to your company, it's not just yours anymore. You're building it for the people. And so I do want to create a company like that, that 
one, so it's a very carefully select the team members I have going in. But in, in that sense, when I have the right people, build something that serves all of us. And, and I want, you know, those people to have their dreams or whatever fulfilled for whatever time they're at Oat Cinnamon and, and really keep it going, but in a slow way. And, and I'd love to have at least two stores, um, one in Brooklyn and one in Paris. Yes. <laughs> Those are great intentions. Well, we're speaking them into existence, uh, 2023 yes. and beyond. I, I, I see it. I'm so happy we got to connect. And I want to end before we get to ask a cool moms on kind of a selfish question, <laughs> a selfish, self-serving question. Um, two, it's a two-parter. One, if you were to relate to any flower, who are you in flower form? And then I would love for you to tell me who I am in flower form or... If you had to describe Scorpios in general in flower form, I will also take that because I'm so curious. Ooh. I want to know. This feels like a good like a quiz it. you would take. Okay, I'm going to pause and reflect on that one for a second. Take your time, reflect. That's also hard to give us two different flowers because I'm seeing so much similarity between us, especially we could be the same flower. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a flower. Okay. You know what? And this is not a sexy <laughs> answer, but I truly, I would say a carnation. I think people constantly don't see it, but the people who do understand its value. Mm. And a lot of people not carnations off. They're like, oh, they're cheap. They're this and that. But they function as the core and the kind of indispensable part of an arrangement, at least in my design. Sometimes they're not always the focal flower that you see at first, but without them, they, they're, they're, you know, they live the longest. They are the most versatile. They come in so much colors. Like you can, they come out sometimes really tight. You can flex them and fluff them up. So they look like a completely different thing. Like they are the most versatile of all the flowers that I personally work with and design with. Like, and you wouldn't know because that's some of the first education people get like, oh, like I've had people like, oh, no carnations or blah, blah, blah. But the way I design with them, they look absolutely amazing. And I I can't live my life without them. Um, and yeah, they're, they're indispensable. And a lot of people don't know their power, but they're extremely powerful. How about that? <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that. I really, I felt that in my heart. And I, I, yes, thank you for such a thoughtful answer. Carnations are really powerful. And also for many of us, it's our first introduction to the joy that flowers can bring. Right. Yeah. And like, not to take that for granted. Um, thank you, Ryan. They also get overlooked, but they shouldn't be. That's what I'll say. Don't <laughs> sleep on a carnation, okay? And Ryan and I surely are people not to be slept on. So I love that <laughs> so much. I'm about to go like Google all the carnations. I have to make a Trader Joe's run. I'm gonna go make some Trader Joe's carnations look gorgeous. Um, <laughs> we get off this call. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, and then okay. 
amazing, amazing, amazing. So we will would be remiss if we did not get to ask a cool mom. It is a question from our cool moms community. This one is a good one, I think, because um, it gets to talk about specifically parenting and mothering in a way that we didn't touch on because we had so many things to cover. Uh, this one comes. <laughs> we did not talk about even being moms. <laughs> we did- but which honestly, I kind of love. I tell people all the time because I have, and this question is actually from a non-mom. I have so many non-mom listeners and I'm like, yeah, it's a podcast called Cool Moms. And yes, it, like inherently it is about motherhood because we are mothers, but it is really about you as a person and like your passion, your purpose and living in that and the power of living in your purpose and how that makes you a better mother. So yeah, we didn't get there, but this is a very mom question. So this question comes from Wella, LA. She's Wella, she's in LA and she's 32. She does not have kids. And she writes, my partner and I don't align on some fundamental parenting styles. How do we find a middle ground? Is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) This is tough. That's really hard because I will say in a way that none other parenting has challenged my husband and I and our, our way our relationship's never been challenged. We've we've always had a very easy relationship. I mean, we've known each other since we we're kids and we were we were lucky enough to evolve and grow t- together and not apart and blah, blah. And it, it all worked out until we became parents. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) especially you know i feel like whatever environment you find yourself parenting in we unfortunately even though we're both in our home city we have a lot of different stuff with our family where they're not able to help us out as much so we find ourselves constantly under resourced and it's expensive to parent here and like just (laughs) so i i think taking all that into consideration and, and that these people kind of need us in a way where we're sometimes not pouring into ourselves like it finds you in some really just crazy places but what i will say is i think yes i think there was things kyle and i thought were kind of we're parents like this and we're parents like that and you don't even get to know that person you're parenting you don't even know that person yet and i don't think I think we had some some values and some things that we definitely felt like. And then we met my son. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he told us how he was meant to be parented, you know? And that's that different part. than how Sora, my daughter, wants to be parents too. And so I think sometimes, you know, I think it is extremely important, like she's saying, to get on the same page about fundamental things. And, and that can mean so many things. So I'm not exactly sure. Um, what exactly those things are. But I think if you guys can agree to, at the foundation, we're going to respect each other. Mm-hmm. At the foundation, we're going to speak to understand rather than to just be heard. I think it can still work um, because there were so many things that was like, we didn't know until it was, it was like kind of cross that bridge when we get there type of thing. And there's times where, you know, we still don't agree on exactly what my son needs or whatever, but Sometimes it's kind of like, all right, can we just, I, maybe I feel a little bit more strongly about something. I'm like, can we just trust me on this one? He's like, all right, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There was an issue with, because we're a bilingual household. I speak French full-time to my son and daughter and my husband just speaks English. And so it was very difficult for us to find childcare that was 
financially accessible and Mm -hmm. like, you know, even just open and available because I would not budge on the fact he had to go to a not bilingual daycare. It had to be full French immersion. And it took a very long time. It was extremely painful. And he was just kind of, come on, we could just put him in a regular daycare. We could just blow blow. And I was like, no, absolutely. And so even in that tension, I was like, please just give me this one thing. And we we had each other's things like he got middle name. I got first. Like they were always at least trying Uh like with that, (laughs) those compromises. And I think when that respect is at that core with their partner, you can really get through those things. You can really say, all right, blah, 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 blah. And then a lot of times me and my therapist talk about it. Like you, you're, sometimes you just, the kid will tell you like, you know, like what, what they're going to do. <laughs> Sergeant tells me all the time. Okay, there's really no <laughs> guesswork happening. <laughs> he lets me know. Absolutely. I think that's, that is, um, yes, respect at its core and being able to listen to a child and learn how they want to be parented because ultimately, yes, we are their guides and we're here to show up for them and not the other way around. So I think that's such sage advice. Ryan, thank you so much. So, so much. I so, I really value and appreciate your time. You could be doing a lot of things right now, but you join me on Cool Moms and I love that. Until next time. What is the Jay-Z like thing to say? Oh, you know what? You're right. That wasn't really Jay-Z. Yeah, it was. It was. That's fair. That's fair. Just wait. Just wait till I edit this. Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Uh. Not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom.